Hello, Janet Gallen here, Love Letters Live, and I am, if you will allow me, going to be my own guest today because there's something that I want to talk about and it's been on my mind for a long time and that is talking to ourselves. Now, I won't even ask you, well, maybe I should, maybe you'd like to think about it anyway. Um, have you ever been caught talking to yourself and what happened? I will say that talking to ourselves I think has gotten a totally bum rap over the ages for a variety of reasons. And um, yes, it. and now the scientists or the people who are doing studies are calling it self-talk. That definitely has kind of a more dignified ring to it, but it's still a code for muttering to yourself like a lunatic, maybe. I, my children, over many years have sometimes caught me talking to myself. And they tell me, mommy, you're talking to yourself. And I back down. I mean, I'm shamed into stopping. I don't wanna seem insane, especially to people who will someday have the um, authority to sign my commitment papers. You have to be careful of those things. But yes, I, I get caught. Sometimes my friends catch me at it. Um, I've only got, actually one friend who bothers to say out loud, you're talking to yourself. That's okay. I, I do it. I do it a lot. My mother, years, decades ago, you know, I've been doing this forever, apparently, when she would catch me talking to myself, she would say, who are you talking to? Okay, that's, I, I used to think that was, I, I stopped, you know, and I busied myself with something else. And I thought, that was a way of letting me know that I was behaving like a lunatic. Like so many things with our parents, you see it differently in hindsight years later. And she was asking a very good question. I wish I had thought to tell her. I didn't, I just clammed up because I didn't feel like I should have to explain myself to anyone. When I caught her talking to herself, um, yes, sometimes I did, and I would say, what are you talking to yourself? And she would say, I'm just thinking out loud. That was close to the truth. That was exactly what it is. There are some people I've noticed who somehow think they have been ordained to give you permission to talk to yourself. And it goes like this when you've been caught talking to yourself. Um, well, it's okay if you talk to yourself just so you don't answer yourself. Who made them judge and jury? You can answer yourself and you should. And I'm gonna talk about how you do that in a little while. But our culture seems to consider, in general, seems to consider talking to oneself a sign of severe eccentricity at best and um, total insanity at worst. We tend, we see somebody walking down the street talking to himself or herself. And we kind of, first of all, we leave them alone. We leave them private with their thoughts, which is polite, but we also kind of want to stay away from it. We don't want to be contaminated by lunacy, I think. So it's kind of a safety measure. But yes, talking, and by the way, talking out loud, prayer, prayer, talking to God out loud. Okay, I won't consider that talking to yourself by any means, but that wasn't always the case that we could pray out loud. Now it's standard and I'm gonna tell you why that happened. We have a woman to thank for this. Yes, Hannah, or biblical, oh, that's right. I'm gonna give a little 
Bible class here. I am not qualified by any means to give a Bible class, but I heard this story so long ago and I was struck by it for many reasons. One that, again, it was a woman who led the way in what was um, not just proper behavior, but admirable behavior. Okay, biblical times, Hannah. She was talking out loud and she was crying and she was she couldn't get pregnant and she was so distressed. She could not get pregnant. And this was in public, by the way, apparently, because it had been after, you know, eating and drinking and no indication that, well, anyway, stay tuned. So she was <coughs> hollering. She was crying and she wanted to get pregnant, couldn't. And Eli, one of the um, priests, was uncomfortable, accused her of being drunk. There was no other explanation at the time, I guess, for talking to yourself out loud. He accused her of being drunk. Well, he realized that he was wrong and that she was praying with all her heart and soul out loud. And now we all, we pray out loud. You go to any church, any, you know, meeting, any people are praying out loud and they're talking to God. So that's that's one one talking to yourself that worked out very, very well. So today I just I wrote something down that I want to remember to tell you, but um anyway, never mind. I rarely talk to myself personally. I don't. And now I know the answer <clears throat> to that when people say, you're talking to yourself. I say, no, I'm not. I am not talking to myself. Not by a long shot. I'm talking to my husband. I'm talking to my mother, to my father, to cousins, to aunts and uncles, to grandparents I barely knew. I had questions for them. Um, teachers who have just been wonderful. And it doesn't matter. I'm never talking to myself. I'm talking to somebody else. Now, you might say that this is a kind of a double sign of being loony. No, it isn't. And especially today. I will say we're by ourselves. Many people are isolated. They're in their homes and their apartments with no one else around. And you are your own best company sometimes. And so you, you call in a few friends to join the party. Um, I, I also want to mention, yes, babies. You have maybe seen a baby lying in a crib at night. A baby, I'm saying you like maybe a two-year-old. And watch them talk to themselves. Sometimes they are talking to an imaginary friend. Yes, I have a lot to say about that, but another time. And sometimes they are saying things like, no, don't do that. Don't do that again. Or um, mystifying, mystifying, whatever it is. Sometimes they're just absorbing lessons like don't do that again. Sometimes they're learning new words. I do that, maybe you do too. When you learn a new language, I, when I do, I've always done this, I still do it to keep up my languages. I talk to myself in that language. I talk to somebody else as a rule, but I take the opportunity to do it in a language that I wanna keep up. And I maybe got nobody really to talk to in that language, but I think they call that subsong when, when little ones do it to uh, reinforce language learning. What if, what if um, 
what if you find yourself talking to somebody and you're having a really good time? Yes. And you, you can feel that you're smiling and you're just, you're happy with the conversation. What to do with that? And how is that related to love letters? I will say that in my view, talking to yourself can be the exact dress rehearsal you need for a most gorgeous love letter. You're thinking a positive thought about somebody. You're reliving a memory. Why not run for the pen and paper as soon as you can? <clears throat> write it down, write it down. Put it in an envelope, stamp it and mail it. Just stick it right in that mailbox. And I will confess that for me, putting something in the mailbox is kind of a total power trip. I won't let other people take my mail to, oh, can I take your mail? I'm gonna pass them. First of all, I don't know that, what, what if they forget? I mean, I've done that myself. I've carried a letter on a walk, kind of clutched in my hand. I get home and it's still in my hand. I just have gotten so you know, distracted by all the interesting life around me that I just, so I, I need to do it myself. I also love doing it myself. I love knowing that I have put that letter in the hands of the US Post Office, one of my favorite institutions of all. Anyway, write the letter and send it because you know what? You'll, be, you'll make two people happy. You may make generations of people happy, but you will make somebody who's received this memory uh, or whatever it is you're thinking, and you're gonna make yourself happy too because you're getting to double bathe in the positive. And I have found, and maybe you have too, that as you're writing a letter to someone of affection, uh, yes, even, even a thank you note, even an apology, and we're gonna to get to that in a minute, you find yourself smiling and calmer. I, I've, I see this so often in workshops. People are writing even difficult letters to people, but as they're laying it out on the paper, they're, they're smiling. They're breathing becomes easier, something really magical happens. So why not do that? Why not just take your self-talk, take it right to the pencil and paper and put it down. And by the way, I have also been aware that when you send a memory to somebody, the response, and I, I get this all the time from people who have written, who've done this, written, you know, love notes to people, and be specific about what it is you remember. Like, what were they wearing? And where were you? And fill it out. The response is almost always, I didn't know you remembered that. They are people, it's so touching when people remember good things about you. Yes. So that's, that's a wonderful thing to do. What if you're having a conversation with yourself that isn't so much fun? Somebody has done something awful to you last week. 20 years ago, and you're still kind of rolling it over in your mind, and you're talking that, what happens when you have that kind of conversation with yourself? I say run for the pen and paper again, and write a letter, if you can, to that person who has wronged you so deeply, and maybe you can do it with an eye toward forgiveness, keeping in mind that a good apology, um, never has the word but in it. Anyway, with an eye towards forgiveness, and maybe that'll just feel wonderful. It's, it's certainly worth a try. You can do it, and then when you read it, if it's, it's, if it's too 
harsh for you to throw it away, but you've, you've tried it. Uh, apologies. What about the people who you have wronged? And you're talking to yourself about that and you're berating yourself for your behavior. And these are the moments where your teeth are clenched and your fists and you're saying, oh, how could you have been so stupid to do that? How could you have been so mean? How could you have been so thought? How did you not recognize what was really going? Have those conversations and then get home to the pencil and paper and write that letter. Write that letter of apology to whoever it is who has been hurt by you. And that's a wonderful, wonderful thing to do if you want to. You can also write a letter to yourself about your, why don't I do that behavior? And just forgive yourself. Forgive yourself the moment of thoughtlessness or harshness. And here's where I'm saying a good apology. It's a wonderful kind of a love letter. It doesn't ever have the word but in it. Like you, you can't say, oh, I know I just treated you horribly and I embarrassed you in front of people, but I was fit. Uh -uh. No, but no excuse, no justification for your bad behavior. A good apology, in my humble opinion, is a matter of letting the other person know that he or she did not deserve that behavior from you and you regret it and you apologize with all your heart. And if you can, you can say, I will never do it again. I have a friend who did this once. She was just terrible to me. We didn't speak for years. And she called me one day. And she was really out of line, but what could I do, you know? She called me one day and she said, I want to apologize. I am so sorry I did that to you. I am so sorry I behaved like that. There was no excuse for it. And I will never do it again. And she never did it again. And our friendship was back on track. What I want to say is <laughs> for all those moments that you might be saying to yourself, Oh, how do I undo this? I wish I had a magic wand and could make this go away. You do have one. It's called the pen, is your magic wand, and it's going to help you heal things. It's going to help you taking your talking to yourself and turning it into gold that will be passed down for generations. And I want to say that magic wand, when I don't know if you've ever done this, I've done it a couple of times when you feel like you need kind of a boost in some way or other, people read those letters again. People don't throw them away. Sometimes we find these letters when people have passed on. We find them in the bedside table drawer. A couple of times they were found in bathrobe pockets, which means that people who were ill were carrying them around again and again. I, I wrote a letter to my mother long ago. She was over 90. And I just had a whole cascade of really lovely memories. And she was a difficult woman, but she had a fabulous side also. And I wrote, what, what happened was I bought a Revlon lipstick, which, you know, I hadn't done in, I don't know, probably 30 years. And the scent of it was her. That was the scent that she always kind of had around her freshly lipsticked mouth. Anyway, it brought back a whole bunch of stuff. And I sat down and I wrote her a letter containing all those things that I was muttering to myself about. 
in really sweet memory, I wrote her this letter and she was, oh, and oh, by the way, a good lo love letter focusing only on the positive. The negative, drop it, save it for something else. It's not part of a love letter, I don't think. She read it and she was so happy about it. She was so elated that, yes, I didn't know you remembered that or I didn't know you knew that about me. And for the next several times, she was 96, I think, when she died. She lived a long and glamorous life, but still, you know, it's never long enough. And <laughs> every time I would go down to visit, she would say to me, you know, I just read that letter that you sent me. And you would think, well, maybe she's getting a little dotty. I know, she told me she read it. And she told it to me every time as if she had just received it. And I realized, yes, she was reading it again and again. Whenever she had any kind of a doubt as to maybe how valuable she was to her children, uh, any feeling about was she good enough at this and good enough at, she would read that letter again every time she needed a boost. So when she said, every time, I just read that letter you sent me, it's wonderful. She had just read it again and again and again. People do this. So all I'm saying is, and I hope I'm not talking to myself here. I hope you're listening. All I'm saying is when you find yourself talking to yourself, you can do yourself and somebody else and probably generations down the line, you can do a really good turn. You can take those thoughts and you can take your magic wand and send the gift of a lifetime that will reinforce wonderful behavior. And it more often than not heals difficulty. Yes. So that's it for me about talking to yourself. I may just go do some of that right now. Okay, I'll talk to you another time. And meanwhile, I'm just going to walk down the street talking to myself. I have a few things to say. Oh, I, okay, I will end with this. That death, as long as it's not yours, is no reason to stop talking to people. That's all. Talk away. Have a good time. Bye.